Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside our friend, Mr. Arbor Joe Aitken, here for another compelling conversation about trees. Joe, here we are. By the time this episode comes out, we'll either be in Albuquerque for ISA or we'll be heading home from it. I can't believe summer is summer is humming right along. But it, Corey, it's humming right along like it should. A lot of weird things happening in trees. I talked about that last episode, but I, I think August to me is a catch-up time. Mm. You kind of get a little hot to do a few things. You may check up on a few things. You might stand back and shuffle the papers and say, oh, shit, we got beep. <laughs> we got to do that. But um, August is an interesting uh, a month in arbor culture and the green industry in general. So we got to be very careful. But um, sitting back, looking at reflecting planning for the the last quarter of the green industry is kind of fun and you know and then you think about fun you and i have an opportunity to go to one of the biggest tree care events in new mexico coming up next week so a lot of good things happening right now including the guest tonight a lot of great things so i'm excited well, I'm I'm actually really excited to meet and grill our guest tonight because I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him formally, but I've heard of the rumors and I've heard of I've heard of some of the innovations and the legacy that that he's working on leaving us. So I'm excited for tonight's conversation. Uh I know we we just didn't in our pre-show had a little brief and he talked about being from part of Colorado and then moving back to the Midwest. And the, the plant palette's a little bit different. The climbing style, I think, is as we'll get into here in just a minute, is a little bit different. But when you can take those skills and when you can take that and move it from one half of the country to the next, that uh, really, really speaks volumes. So, Joe, I'll let you introduce uh, our guest tonight if you'd like. Yeah, of course. Um, our guest tonight has been a friend of mine for a while, quite a while probably pre Arborjet. If, if you can imagine that there was ever a time I've been with Arborjet 21 years. So when you add up when the, the whole kitten caboodle, when I first met our guest, it's quite, it's quite a few years back. And I will honestly say without introducing him yet, that some of the, some of the practices in arboriculture that I learned from our guest, I still use today. So that's kind of a teaser. And we'll talk about that tonight on the podcast is um, how influential he has been in arboriculture in that last 20 years. And you'll see by the end of the recording, how humble he is about it, but he really is. Uh, changing the way we look at a sector of what we do on a day-to-day basis. So who is it? Who is it, Joe? You ready? <laughs> so without further ado, I would love the opportunity to um, 
introduce our listeners to the one and only Kevin Bingham. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad to be here. And yeah, we've we've gone back a long way. Steve Turner, gosh, we're 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 20, you know, so that's 20, 21, yeah. So it was the it was kind of right at the cusp of EAB Steve Turner uh if, if the listeners don't know Steve Turner and I started around the same time at Arborjet and Steve went in one direction I stayed and I, I I'll honestly say I I was very lucky to stay where I was and Steve's still doing good so yeah it goes a long way back Kevin um well, again welcome to the show uh and I meant what I said when we started talking about uh, how influential you have been and how humble you've been about it. So <laughs> humble. No. <laughs> we're we're going to give Corey. I I know the story, but I want Corey to lead this 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 discussion. And I'm going to throw some jabs in here every now and then. But <laughs> uh, this is going right. to be fun. All right. Well, I'll I'll try not to go all fanboy over you. Mr. Kevin Bingham, but please bring us up to speed. Bring me up to speed. How did you get into the industry? What has been your journey through arboriculture thus far? So um, I grew up climbing pretty much everything I could as a kid. Um, I was fascinated by gymnastics, uh, trapeze, rock climbing. Um, I would, yeah, uh, just one of those kids um, really wanted to be a monkey when I grew up. Um, so I guess into officially into arbor culture, I was 16. Uh, well, there's a couple of different parts of the story, but when I was 16, I saw a tree company. The simple story is I saw a tree, tree company on the side of the road, guy up there. This is in Denver. Um, and he was up there climbing around and I was like, oh, wow, that's a job. I want to do that. And so I went up to the crew and said, hey, can I do work with you guys? And they said, well, come back when you're 18. And um, I did. And so that was I got my first job at Aesthetic Tree Service in Denver, Colorado. I think they're still going. Um I had been rock climbing pretty seriously through, I mean, middle school and high school. Um, and there was a few occasions where uh, there was a, you know, a late spring snowstorm. This was before going to aesthetic. And uh, me and a friend of mine used our rock climbing skills and basically ladder, slings, carabiners, guy on the ground with a figure eight. And uh, we went around the neighborhood and made a ton of money we had his uh actually his family's like little mccullough chainsaw um and i'm I'm actually blown away that people actually hired us on that day because like who would do that you know hire, hire a couple of 16 year olds with a chainsaw and a ladder oh, like yeah. um but yeah we went out and you know made a couple hundred bucks piece and like wow um Another little part of it uh, was my uncle, my uh, 
my grandmother uh, lived in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and that's where my parents live now. Um, but I would go out there during the summer, and my uncle sent me up a couple times, knowing my rock climbing skills, to trim some branches in the oak tree. And uh, he took me down to Atlanta, where he introduced me to Bobo Jenkins of Tree Climbers International, um, who was a neighbor of his. And he told me that tree climbing is a real career, that it's something that people do. So I started getting, I had a couple influences that way where trees were just, um, my grandmother too, working in her garden, gave me a, a big love of plants and uh, trees in general. So, um, yeah, that's I worked that summer. 1996 was the first summer I was working at a tree company. Um, and that was an interesting, really interesting summer for me. I, I really wanted to climb, but of course, I mostly dragged brush. Uh, Brian, my foreman, did go off uh, dirt biking, biking one weekend and busted his uh, collarbone. So... I, I got a good opportunity for a few weeks. Well, he, he was someone's down. I'll I'll do it. He was down. He was yeah. I got got off the bench and you know I learned a taut line hitch and body thrusting, uh, ladder and pole pruner to get the rope up there. There was a throw ball in the truck, but didn't really use it too much. Um, but anyway, that got me. That got me in the door and, you know, this is, you know, I'm a tree, tree worker. I went to college in Southern California and did tree work uh, on the side. I worked at a botanical garden. Um, I bought my own harness and a rope. I got it off. I ordered from Bailey's catalog along with the tree climbers companion. Oh yeah. Um, and got a little chainsaw my the 160 i think it was the what was the 152 no I don't, I don't remember the small it wasn't the 200 but it was the smaller one one and um yeah then i what is what did you go to school for what did you go to what did you go to school for um you know it was kind of i went to school um for tree climbing but yeah. not really, because yeah. I knew I wanted to be a tree climber. Um, really? Even when you enrolled in college in Southern California. Yeah, and I went to a school, and it was a, a smaller liberal arts college. Uh, and it had biology and, uh, you know, a bunch of random stuff. I ended up designing my own major. Um, I worked for the grounds crew while I was at college, which was really fun. I, like, got to rake out the baseball field, and I we did they maintain the gardens and um then i also got a job at the botanical gardens which was nearby at santa Ana botanical gardens was a uh but yeah so i kind of designed my school around um being a tree climber so i studied anything that was tree or science related ecology related and i took a lot of dance classes too um they dance you know, I did a dance classes yeah so they did like um 
ballet, modern. Um, I uh, did a lot of rock climbing when I was at college too. Um, what else did I do? So the the school part of college, I didn't really, I don't really think about too much, but I, I did get a lot out of college from, from that perspective. I will Uh, honestly say that as I I hear you talk about your education and when, as soon as you said dance, most people would laugh, but I've seen you climb and I've seen you climb where it looks artistic. You (laughs) climb, you make it, I I don't want to sound too cheesy, but it's kind of beautiful to watch you climb. It's almost like a dance. Well, I definitely think, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, I, I, I love movement, you know, body, body movement is just, it's really, uh, you know, it, it gives me joy. So, and it's I think that's what, you know, if I can be a tree climber and make a living doing this, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I honestly say that. So I, I did, you know, when I took all those dance classes, like there was a purpose behind. I didn't ever think I was going to be a professional dancer. Um, you know, I also played a lot of basketball and soccer and never thought I would be a professional. <laughs> but I knew I could be a professional tree climber. So um, that, that kind of really applied a lot. Um, and it was fun, too. I, talk about hot girls. Perfect. Uh, you know what, Corey, I, I don't, I, again, it's your, it's your lead, but again, Kevin, you made uh, it, you made tonight on this recording, you connected a lot of dots for me because I've known you for a long time. And I real truly say that it's always incredible to watch you climb and then we can get into competitions. And then I think it will lead us into something that you developed but I think it goes back to climbing, dance, the body movement, and why you designed what you designed. Well, so, when you put out that teaser, we almost need to hop into that. <laughs> I, I'm going to stand back because I love you, Kevin. Yeah, I know that. All right. All right. Kevin Bingham, I've got to know because I've never heard the story, and I'd love to hear it from the horse's mouth. How did you come up with the invention that you came up with? What did that look like? Um, so I, I was climbed MRS. Um, I had been climbing on the, basically your competition style climbing, foot locking up. Well, this is competition back in the day where you foot lock up, switch over to a MRS system and, you know, hit climber and go to town. Um, and so I was in that, uh, mindset, uh, you know, I guess 2004, the Unisender came out, there was a tree buzz was a thing. And, you know, Tom Dunlap was on there talking about the Unisender. I'd gone to the TCIA in, uh, Milwaukee, uh, and talked to Morgan and, uh, interesting Morgan designed it to be a MRS device, but that was a thing. SRS was starting to poke its head around. People were talking about it. Um, And I didn't really quite get the idea of it. 
Um, but then 2008 happened. I just went out on my own um, and the whole economy ended up collapsing on me that fall and I didn't have any work. And a friend of mine uh, from Michigan said, hey, I'm going down to Texas with this group of people and go do some tree work down there. Um, and we're going to do storm work. You'll get 500 bucks a day. And so I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And so I went down there, storm chasing Houston. We did a little bit in uh, the border area and then into Houston. Um, and our the guy who got me down there was this guy, Joey. He was a really interesting guy. He was a really good climber, um, also a drug addict, but I didn't really know that at the time. Um, but he was had gotten down with SRT and he he was a fascinating guy. Some of there's uh Joey Cornell and he um he did stuff for the military. Um he did he did train he did trainings for the military. He talked about like going to uh how to teaching the SWAT teams to like access a house and like you throw a line over and you SRT up both sides of the house. What? And like he he would he he would talk nonstop, but he was very uh, he, he knew SRT. Um, oh, one thing he 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 kept on trying to get me to join him on a trip to Africa to put up uh, camera traps in the trees to catch uh, Al Qaeda. Um, <laughs> like, oh, hell no! But anyway, so he was he he talked a lot about SRT, and then I was doing these trees, and it was really thick gnarly trees down there and um the storm had come through it wasn't that bad of a hurry it wasn't as bad as like we were hoping i guess for making money but you had to go you get paid by the tree it was like five dollars a tree to cut a hanger out of it and ten dollars a tree to cut it down and be a hanger or a leaner and then so you go along and um we did like hiking trails sides of roads uh and I was just getting burnout, foot locking, um, isolating my line was an impossibility. And it was just really, really difficult. Um, and so I started SRTing with my friction hitch and um, hitch climber um, and just would set up a ladder. I, I They gave us ready uh, labor ready guys to work with us. And we had, um, you know, a different alcoholic every day to help us oh, out. Sure. sure. But I went to I went to I went to Walmart and got a ladder and then I just tell the labor ready guy to have the ladder set up on the next tree. I'd throw my line over, um, run up the tree with just the friction hitch and I was I was able to like go through the trees. I discovered how efficient that is just going horizontally, passing redirects and redirects. And I was toasting my hitches um uh pretty you know i discovered all the things that are hard about climbing srt with just a friction hitch one of the things people say it's dangerous i never found that it was at all dangerous whatsoever i just was hard to move sometimes like i never felt like i was moving too fast i don't know maybe other people have experienced dangerous situations but i never felt it was dangerous but i realized i needed extra friction so i'm playing around with figure eights and carabiners and um hit on um what i called the fate revolver system which was 
a revolver carabiner, which I had bought, which I didn't have any purpose for. I didn't know what I was going to use it for, but I ended up sticking it in with to, through a bite of rope on the big eye of the figure eight. And that gave me friction to descend, but I could still move it up the rope. Um, and so that turned me SRT and I never really looked back from that. I even, uh, you know, I, I did a couple competitions using the fate revolver. Um, I ended up, uh, going to internationals and to climb with the fate revolver, but, and they, they were going to allow me to use it, but I ended up getting disqualified for missing a mandatory meeting. And I never was able to. Uh, <laughs> Joey know Joe knows that story. Was, um, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, as yeah, a, as a little uh, chapter spending Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, the, the but, chapter was furious at me. Um, but then, so that was my first SRT system, and but obviously it had some downsides because you. You could go down just fine, but if you were hanging in midair, you'd have to go all the way down to a branch or get all, take your weight off of it to take it off so you could go back up again. Um, so certain trees, it was great, like trees I could climb around in and monkey around in. I could manage the slack on the fate revolver just fine. But I was definitely like looking for something that would go up and not down. Um, and... Yeah, then it was on my desk, a little 13-millimeter box wrench. Uh, <laughs> what? With a with a little yeah, angle on it. A real wrench, yeah. Um, you you used I, a real wrench, a mechanic's wrench, to come up with the rope wrench. The, the little 13-millimeter box wrench. And I just, it was on my desk, oh. and I saw it. And I picked it up and I was like, huh, because I saw they had the, you know, the little bend. It was one of those that has like an angle on it, right? Yeah. Um, and I was just looking at it. And that minute, uh, somebody called me for a cat rescue on, you know, Dan Krause's uh, cat in a tree site. Sure, and, sure. Um, so I took out the wrench and that was i i put it on the rope went up and rescued the cat came down no my hitch just worked perfectly it was i was like uh emily my wife remembers like i came home from that cat rescue and i was basically hyperventilating like i was like oh, i figured it out SRT, <laughs> you know because they're they, it, in the backstory of this, there was a lot of discussion on tree buzz on um, a lot of discussion on tree buzz regarding SRT and how to make SRT with a hitch work. Mm -hmm. So, and I, you know, I had shown my fate revolver system. People were really excited. I got a bunch of people climbing on the fate revolver system. And so it was a, a real conversation and, um, you know, I I just knew right away that it was gonna change the change the game of tree climbing. Um, there was no doubt in my as I came down out of that tree with with the cat, like it was. So, so how how long it. did it take to go from that mechanics wrench to 
some version. What was the next step? What was the progression of that? So um, I, at that time, I did a lot of like little carvings and whittlings and I make boxes and, you know, uh, with wood. So I like to work with wood. Um, and basically all I kn knew I needed to do is make a rope friendly wrench because that was the last time I used that rope to rescue that cat because the wrench just tore the sh out of it. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I bet. it was done. Um, so I was like, basically I have to make a rope friendly wrench. And, um, so I carved, uh, started carving them out of wood, um, and made a bunch of them. I made probably 30 or 40 of them out of wood. Um, there's still still some kicking. Maybe it's not that many. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know. I, every once in a while, somebody hits me up and says, "Oh, check out the when the the wrench you sold me." Um, oh. And I actually I took uh, a big backpack full of these uh, wooden wrenches to the TCIA. Uh, it was in Pittsburgh that year. And I was basically walking around the trade room floor, like, "Hey, want to buy a wrench?" <laughs> I, That's awesome. Uh, and anyway, uh, I was I was doing that, and I'm good friends with Rich Hattier, um, and he was there, so he's and he'd been sort of keeping tabs on what's going on with the wrench. Uh, Tom Dunlap was there and Tom Dunlap was giving a presentation on SRT on the main stage of the TCIA there. And he was like, Hey, Kevin, why don't you come up here and show your, your wrench off? Uh, so I did that. I got up there on stage he, and it was, I always remember this because I had my shoe untied when I got up there. <laughs> I remember thinking how, because I was like totally unprepared for this moment. But, uh, you know, I gave a little presentation on the rope wrench and how it worked to put it on the line and went up to the little tree and back down again. And, you know, I think it was pretty well received. People were just like, what? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Wayne Ellis from ISC was there. Uh, so he watched my demonstration and he came up to me right after, uh, I got down and I was like, Hey, we can build that wrench for you. And I was like, you know, I can handle it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to keep, keep going on it for right now. And, um, not too much long after, after that, uh, a tree buzz friend, Zach Kenner, uh, he, was the one who came up with the idea of, uh, you know, how to make it with metal, you know, maybe we can do bollards. So me and Zach went back and forth quite a bit, um, to, to get that, to get the, the metal version down. Um, that's why it's called the ZK one, the ZK two. Um, so Zach Kenner gets a lot of credit for that. Um, so, that happened, and then I went around to little prototype shops in Detroit, trying to figure out how to make it into a product. And so the original ZK1, I got the side plates were made at this company 
and I liked them because they were able to, they, the, their main business actually was the, you know, the little metal tags that are like on the back of TVs and stuff. They like yeah. make tags. Um, and they had, they were able to, um, laser the plates out and then emboss them with that, that really cool writing, which I thought was neat. It was stainless steel. Um, oh, yeah. got it the, the bollards bollards made at another company and then i had to round off the edges because when i i realized when i got the plates they were really sharp so i had to i i manually rounded off all the edges and so um tree stuff agreed to sell them for me i was i tried to sell them my own self for a hot second and just going to the post office and figuring out who and what and how it was crazy. So yes. anyway, I ended up sitting down in the basement, um, grinding the edges off of these plates. And I think I did about 2000 of them. Holy uh, cow. Through tree stuff. I mean, they were selling like crazy. How many, uh, that, cause that was a couple of years ago. How many rope wrenches do you think have been sold in total? Uh, it's thousands. Kind of, yeah, no, it's, it's up it's up around seventy thousand, I think. You know. Okay, so uh, to the listeners, if you're using a rope wrench, you've seen somebody using one. This guy's the one who put it all together. We, you know, we had team. He had a you know a support with him, but um, Kevin Bigham's yeah, I mean, the I reason did for that, that for, and I was getting really quickly burnt out trying to make him myself. I and you know, I I couldn't do my tree service. I mean, my tree service has always kind of struggled with my um, little side projects that I dabble in. But uh, yeah, that, that's true. It was, it was I, hard. You know, Kevin, Kevin, it's it's amazing. And I, I thank you so much for for telling the story because you will go down in history as a as an icon that changed the industry yeah you know sure. and i said earlier that i still use some of the techniques i learned from you 20 years ago shoot it's 20 years from now and i can still pull my big overweight ass up a tree because of the way you designed um access to the canopy using your knowledge with ergonomics, um, dance, love of trees, love of the industry. You took an you, you took an opportunity to create something that has honestly changed the way we look at and we actually perform at height issues in the canopy. And I I, I don't think that it's just arbor culture and you could correct me if i'm wrong but that device the rope wrench is probably crossing into other industries i think a little bit i appreciate you saying that joe i really do i um it's it's interesting when i first was doing the wooden wrenches and I knew it was going to change the industry like right off the bat. And 
But I was like, you know, I'm going to sell these to my friends. Da, 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 da. Maybe I'll sell 100, 200, maybe 1,000. But, and like, you know, I'm thinking about my, all the tree climbers I know, ones that I go to the tree climbing competition. But I really didn't have any idea, like, how, I mean, and it's still a small industry, but there are a lot of people climbing trees out in the world. And that's, and it's still amazing to me. There's people still buying rope wrenches, their first rope wrenches, you know, <laughs> like how, um, so there's, there's a, it's, it's, it's a small, small industry. I, I, I wish, I wish I had found something groundbreaking in the realm of like, I don't know, something everybody have with washing machines or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, a, a gazillion dollars, but yeah. I will honestly say that um, I, I'm friends with Sharon Lilly. And if you know Sharon Lilly in the industry, Sharon, Sharon Lilly. Oh, yeah. She wrote very, that first book. That, where that um, The very first ISA CA book. Yeah. She's been so influential in the industry. And I bet you she don't hip, hip press no more. <laughs> you know what? I, that's what I mean, Kevin. I, it's it's the ease of access and the ease of a friction hitch or uh, and using something as simple as what you came up with because you you cared about it. You really did change the industry. Well. I mean, it was primarily for, for me, I think that was the, I needed a, a way to get up and down. And it's funny because the, at that time, the Unicender was $450 or something, which was even more than it is now, but it was, it was, if I had just bought that Unicender, then all my you know, I wouldn't have had that problem <laughs> to solve. I, I stepping back and jumping on a unicenter. Oh, well, I don't. You, but it was, I think, one of the things about the rope wrench that is different is it's so simple and it's so basic. And it, um, so it's that makes, therefore, is accessible. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's it not a it's not a flow right no, there's, there's no real barrier to, to 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 getting it hey kevin we're 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 coming up on time all right and something something that joe and i like to ask most of our guests before the, we let them go is we we want to know if there was a piece of advice or something you could give to somebody in the industry or looking to get into the, into the industry, what would you tell them? Um, hmm. I would say keep learning. Uh, don't get stagnated. Break out. Go to rec climbs. Go to conferences. I mean, if you're probably listening to this podcast and you don't need that advice because you're sitting on your own time listening to something about trees, which is really cool about this industry is that it's 
interesting enough that people will spend their free time like listening to a podcast about their work like who else does that are there maybe there are but are there plumbers like listening to podcasts about plumbing but um maybe i mean i think that's a good question <laughs> i think uh there is so many different levels of arboriculture um you know the what Joe knows about roots um, and soil health. Find these people and ask them questions and watch what they do. I think you can, people can also be like, look at a old school crew um, dry crotching all their rigging and think, oh, I can't, there's nothing to learn from these guys, but I think that's there's so many different ways to skin a cat when it comes to 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 tree work so really just keeping your mind open and um experiment you know don't don't get stuck in one way to uh, you hear some people say uh if it works don't fix it but i'm i'm more of the mind that it's always broken so it's always you know there's always a better way to do it (laughs) that's not keep on fixing it, you know, make it better. That's, that's a true testament, you know, not only to your career, but to many of our listeners as well. So on behalf of, of myself and uh, a lot of the listeners, thank you for everything that you've done to help transform what we're doing into a sustainable profession. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be using, we'll be using your device for years to come. Well, I appreciate you. And thanks for having me on the show. It's been a really good time. Yeah, from your thank you for doing what you're doing. I mean, this is you guys are this is the kind of thing that just makes us all better. And you know, Kevin, from you know, we go back a long way from the bike, the bicycle in the trailer doing tree work to the peanut oil truck to whatever you've done, you've always been beautifully humble. And um, today you've never changed who you are, and you're still beautifully humble you're a great family man you got a beautiful family um you still give back and i can't i can't thank you enough uh for what you've done to uh to industry and you will be recognized uh long before you know so thank you very much (laughs) thank you thank you so much Hey, great topic today. Yes, and lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.